Kings this morning. The book of 1 Kings chapter 18. It's good to see everybody this morning. It's good to be in the Lord's house. It's good to have a good spirit among God's people. And this morning we have recognized our mothers and I'm so thankful for every godly mother and mother in this place. I tell you God give me a mother that I could spend all day thanking God for. And uh, we were telling in class this morning we were talking about how grandparents tend to get a little more compassion you know when they get grandkids and when they're raising us and uh, my mom gets on me a lot for how tough I am on my kids and I, I, I asked her one day when she began to have compassion and uh, I said I don't remember that compassion growing up and uh, whether it was a, a wire hanger a hairbrush a high heel uh, whatever she could get her hands on she handled me with and uh, there was a lot of times I didn't like that. But I'll tell you what, I praise God for that today. And I thank the Lord for a mama who loved me. I thank the Lord for a mama who whooped me. 
I thank the Lord for a mama who stayed on her knees for me and prayed for me. And I praise God for my mom and the mothers here today. But folks, I, I won't tell you, I'm not preaching about mothers today. I believe this first time in my ministry that I haven't. Uh, the Lord sent me another direction, so I ask you to bear with me. I want to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. We recognize mothers, but at the end of the day, Jesus is first in all things. And he's the one that is to be magnified and glorified in this place today. So we're going to do that in word and in spirit. 1 Kings chapter 18, you've got to stand for the reading of God's word. I believe if there's anything worth standing up for today, it's God's word. 1 Kings chapter 18 and in verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to a servant, Go up, now look toward the sea. He went up and looked and said, There's nothing. He said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, Send the Rain. I know this is probably a subject you don't want to talk about. I guess if we want to talk about rain, it would be stop the rain. Stop the rain. But spiritually speaking this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, Send the Rain. Send the Rain. I'm so thankful today the times that God has sent the rain. Not in a physical manner, but a spiritual manner. The rain in the Bible represents the spiritual blessings of God. It means that God's blessing is upon us. It means the prosperity of God is upon us. So to, so to say God send the rain, we're asking Him to send down His, His spiritual blessing upon us. That we may experience prosperity because of him. Now, when we look at the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel is a nation that in their entirety, uh, in their lifespan, they had to look to the Lord for rain. If you think about the piece of real estate that God sent the nation of Israel, he sent them to the driest piece of real estate in all the world. He sent them to this, uh, this old Canaanite land that had one source of water, a fresh water opponent, which is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is only 64 square miles. It is not enough uh, rain, not enough water, not enough to give the people in the land that they need. When you think of rain, when you think of water, especially in that land, you needed water to drink. You needed water to give to your cattle. You needed water to water your crops. And, and so if you didn't have water, if you didn't have rain, uh, you were in need. You were going to experience a famine. Now a lot of places can go a long time without having rain, but specifically the land of Israel and the people of Israel could not survive a very long time without rain. So their dependence upon water was from the Lord. 
If they were going to have the water to give them what they need so that they could prosper in, the, in Canaan land, they needed to look up. If they were going to get what they needed to supply all of their needs, they were going to have to look up. You see, Egypt never had to look up because they had the abundance water of the Nile River. If you think about it, Babylon never had to look up because they had the abundance uh, of the Euphrates River. And you look at all of these nations with all of these natural resources that had everything they had, they had no reason to look up. But the nation of Israel had to depend upon the Lord to send the rain so that they could have the water that they needed in order to survive. In fact, many times in the history of the nation of Israel, they were going through droughts and going through droughts. And we find throughout the Old Testament many cries for rain. Now there's been times that we have cried for rain. I don't think y'all have cried for it in a long time, have you? You're probably crying, Lord, stop the rain. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. When we ask God to send the rain, what we're asking for is to send His spiritual blessings and prosperity among His people. And I don't know about y'all, but we need His blessings. We need His prosperity. And if the nation of Israel was going to uh, eat and drink of the milk and honey that's found in the promised land, they had to look up. And child of God, it's no different today. If we're going to enjoy our salvation, if we're going to experience the prosperity of our salvation, we got to look up. we got to look up. As long as our eyes are here upon this earth and we seek worldly things to fill our needs, then we're not going to be blessed by the Lord. we got to look up. We got to look up, folks. That's where our help comes from. That's where blessings come from. That's where grace comes from. That's where forgiveness comes from. That's where redemption comes from. Redemption and salvation and, and, and prosperity is not found in the world, but it's found in the God of heaven. And if we are going to see the rain and the blessing of God upon our country again, we're going to have to look up. And we're going to have to ask God to send the spiritual rain to this country, to our homes, to our community, to our county, so that we can experience the prosperity of God. And may I say today, we need the blessings of God. We need the blessings of God. I want you to notice, number one, the purpose of a drought. I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16, I want us to notice a few things. Why were they even crying for a rain? Because there was a drought. And I want you to understand why there was a drought so many times throughout Scripture. If you'll look in verse 30. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord, above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did Aiel, 
the Beth Hite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof, and the youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now notice chapter 17, verse 1. And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And so a drought began to take place in the nation of Israel. King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, was ruling upon the throne of Israel. There's never been a more evil king than Ahab. There's never been a more evil person in the Bible than Jezebel. These two people stood in opposition opposition to the Lord. They stood against the morals of God. They stood against the Word of God. They stood against the worship of God. They tore down all the things that represented the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they began to bring in idolatry, and they began to serve Baal and Balaam. And I want you to know something. When the leaders of the land begin to turn their backs against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's going to be a drought in the land. I want you to know when your homes and your churches begin to turn their backs against God, you know what causes a famine in the land? is apostasy among God's people. When God's people turn away from the Lord, there begins to be a drought in our hearts and in our churches and in our homes and in our schools and in our government. I believe today that America has been experiencing a spiritual drought. I believe there's been a dryness. I believe we need the reign of God more than we ever have. And I'll tell you how we got there. We've turned our back against God. We've turned our back against Israel. We've turned our back against the Word of God. We've turned our back against the morals of God. We have, uh, we have rebelled. We have said we can do it our way. We have turned against Him. We thought that we could do it without Him. But folks, we cannot do it without Him. And the more that we have gone without Him, the drier our homes have become, the drier our churches have become, the drier our hearts and our souls have become, that we've rebelled against Him, and the only result is that there is separation between us and God. And when there is separation between us and God, there's going to be a drought. There's going to be a famine in the land. And as I look among Ashley County, as I look among Promised Land and Hamburg and Arkansas and America, I believe we need to ask God to send the rain. I believe there's a dryness. I believe there's a drought. I believe there's a famine in the land. I'll never forget there in the Old Testament of all the examples of the famine in the land. If you remember, Abraham got to uh, Canaan land, to the place that was promised. It wasn't long, he said, there was a famine in the land. And so where did he go? He went to Egypt. He went to Egypt. Isn't it amazing that every time that somebody in the Bible left the Canaan land because there was a famine in the land, they always went to Egypt or to Moab which represents sin. So when you leave that promised land, there's no other place to go but to the world of sin. Understand today that if you're leaving that place of promise, there's no other place to go. And Abraham said there's a famine in the land. And so he left Canaan land and went down to Egypt and got himself in a whole bunch of mess. 
If you remember, Jacob ended up going down to Egypt because there was a famine in the land and God had raised up Joseph to provide for them. But we're looking at hundreds of years that uh, the Hebrews became in Egyptian bondage because there was a famine in the land. If you remember, Elimelech and Naomi said there was a famine in the land and they went down to Moab to get the bread that they needed and Naomi lost every son and her husband there in that land and she came home empty. Understand, child of God, that if there's a famine in the land, it's not God's fault, it's not the land's fault, but it's our fault. And if there's a dryness, if there's a need from the Lord, we need to look up. We need to look up. If we are dry, if our, if our family needs salvation, if we need a spiritual revival, child of God, it's going to come from above. And we're going to have to look up. Understand what this nation needs is not another Democrat or Republican or a party or a plan or a method, but we need the reign of God upon our country. And we need His spiritual blessings. But it's not going to happen until we look up. Until we look up, there's a famine in the land, folks. And if we're going to get it fixed, we're going to have to look up. And we're going to have to see the blessings and the prosperity of God. A drought was often a disciplinary testing of God's people in the land. Understand that if we're in a drought today, spiritually speaking, it is because we have rebelled against the Lord just as these people have. But I want you to notice, number two, the provision during the drought. I want you to look in chapter 17. And so Elijah went to Ahab and he said, Listen, there's going to be a drought. There's going to be a famine in the land. And we know this, this drought was for three and a half years. So for three and a half years, it didn't rain. For three and a half years, there was a famine and a drought in the land. But what about that faithful remnant? What about the people of God that was still serving the Lord in the midst of the famine and in the midst of the drought? I want you to notice that God's man was experienced the provision of God. Look in verse 5. It said, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Isn't this amazing? There's a famine in all the land. And all of these people that have rebelled against God, they don't have enough water to give their family. They don't have enough water to give to their livestock. They don't have enough water to water their vegetables. But the man of God had all the water that he could desire. Understand that if you are living inside of the will of God and you're still seeking God, no matter how evil your world around you may be, God's going to take care of you. And it is a blessing, it is a comfort, and a reminder of me that no matter how world, how far this world may turn against God, you keep your eyes on Jesus, you keep going the straight and narrow way, you keep your eyes in the Word of God and in the morals of God, and God's going to take care of you. And I'm going to tell you, when the world is starving to death, when the world is in need, child of God, all we're going to have to do is look up, and God's going to give us everything that we need. And we say, well, preacher, God give us enough sense. We need to get that out of our vocabulary. Because what happened to Elijah didn't make sense. That a raven would bring him bread and wouldn't eat it all. That every water source in the land was dried up but that one brook. I'm telling you, folks, that doesn't make sense to me. 
It doesn't make sense how, how God would cause a famine in the land, but in this one place, He would give His man everything that he needed. I'm telling you, that same God that provided for Elijah can provide for us today. I believe that God is still going to take care of His men. I believe God's still going to take care of His people. Understand that no matter how evil, how bad this world gets, you stay inside of the will of God, and God's going to water you, and He's going to feed you. You say, preacher, what about tribulation time? What about as we get to the end times? What about the economy? Oh, my retirement. Oh, my home. Child of God, you put your eyes on the kingdom of God, and God's going to take care of your kingdom. That's a promise from the Word of God. And when, and when everybody else is dry and thirsty and, and starving to death, God will give you everything that you need. Hey, child of God, you're not going to get anything until you look up. You're not going to get what you need until you look up. We must look up. Notice chapter 18 and verse 4. Chapter 18, verse 4. If you're with me, say amen. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Isn't that beautiful? Even in the midst of an evil nation, there was a faithful remnant, a remnant holding on. Holding on to the principles of God. Holding on to the Word of God and the morals of God. And all the land was evil and all the land turned their back against God. But I want you to know there was a faithful group there hanging on. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for that remnant today. I know the world is going, going backwards. I know the majority uh, of this world is turning their backs against God. But I want you to know that God blessed us and God's given us a faithful remnant. And when I look here this morning, I'm seeing a faithful remnant of God's people. There's a lot of folks out there that I don't agree with. There's a lot of folks out there that I can't get along with because we don't have the same principles. But I praise God that there's a faithful remnant still serving the Lord, still cares what God thinks about their life, still cares about the things of God. I am thankful for God's remnant. And I want you to know that God is too because God is going to take care of His people. Not only did He provide for that man, but He provided for the congregation. And all of those people that remain true to God, He hid them in a cave and gave them bread and water. Oh man, isn't the Lord good? Man, I'm telling you time and time again, God has proven how faithful, how loyal that He is to us when we serve Him, when we look to Him, when we ask Him for guidance and for strength and for grace and mercy. Child of God, you hold on. And don't you give in to this world. You remain true to your convictions. You remain true to your relationship with God. You remain true to your faith. I don't care if everybody in Ashley County denounces Jesus. You hold on to your, your profession of faith. You hold on to what you have in the Lord today. I don't care if the whole world turns against the Bible. You keep your soul and you keep your mind right here in the Word of God and God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you. Man, this faithful remnant held on. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for people who held on. Brother Norbert I'm thankful you've held on. Brother Norman, I'm glad you've held on. Through all the naysayers, through all the stuff and the mess and the riffraff, I'm glad y'all have held on. Miss Carolyn, thank you for holding on. 
I look around and I see a bunch of folks I've held on throughout the years and God has blessed time and time and time again. But let me tell you something. The bread and the water wasn't found outside of that remnant. It was found inside that remnant. And you want to know why it's so important to be involved in your local church? You want to know why it's so important to be involved in your assembly? Because where that remnant was was where the bread and water was. There's something there, folks. And we need to understand that if we want the bread and water, we better get in the remnant. And we better look to one another. And we better hold on to one another. And God's going to bless what we're doing. I want you to notice something else. I want you to go to chapter 18. In verse 33, of all the times that I've looked at this passage of Scripture, I've never realized this. And of course, we know that Elijah is facing the prophets of Baal, and he puts their gods uh, at, at, at a test. And he said, you call upon your gods. And of course, they called and they called, and nobody ever answered. Let me tell you something. The reason is because they weren't real and they weren't alive. Because there's only one true living God, and it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Elijah turned this around, they built this altar, and now he's fixing a call upon his God. I want you to notice verse 33. It says, He put the wood in order, <coughs> and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time, and they did it the second time. He said, Do it the third time, and they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. It blows my mind that they went three times, four barrels of water. They filled up twelve barrels of water in a land that was dry and experiencing a famine. And it hit me like a ton of bread. Where in the world did they get this water from? Where in the world? Man, they've been three and a half years without water. They've been three and a half years without feeding their family and giving them what they stood in need of. Three and a half years, they went with their livestock dying because of this famine. And all of a sudden, when God said, it's time to bring my sacrifice to the altar, all of a sudden, there was 12 barrels of water. Whoo! I don't know about y'all, that gets me excited. Y'all can sit there and look like deadbeats, but I'm going to get excited about that. Let me tell you something, folks. These folks were starving to death, and they were dry, and they were thirsty. And all of a sudden, 12 barrels of water appeared, and they put this water all around the altar, and they filled the trench with the water. What was God doing? God was fixing to show him who he was. And can you imagine they were sitting there looking at that water? Man, I want it. Man, I need it. I'm thirsty. My kids need it. My wife needs it. My husband needs it. And there they are. Their mouth dry. Oh, man, I can taste that water. And there they are just pouring it out on the ground. Pouring it out on the altar. Elijah fell down, went to cry upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and said, send fire down upon this. And the Bible said the fire came down, and it lit up that altar, and lit up that trench, and every bit of that water that is used to put out fire lit up the fire. And that day the altar of God was set on fire, and the power of God was exemplified to these people. And oh, they got there thinking, man, I'm thirsty. Man, I'm thirsty. 
Oh, I need a drink of water. But when that altar lit on fire, they said, I don't need water, but I need God. I don't need a drink from, from the fountain. I need a drink from the Lord. And they realized that day when that fire went up, they said, man, we've been serving the wrong gods. We've been looking to the wrong places. We've been putting all of our attention and energy in the wrong place. And they, the Bible said they fell on their face. And they began to seek the Lord with all of their hearts. Boy, isn't that beautiful? Y'all can amen that. Man, they had revival, folks. God, God lit the water on fire. There they are, thirsty and dry, needing a drink, and He lit it up on fire. You say, preacher, that's not possible. Anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God. They've had a drought for three and a half years, and here the water is for the sacrifice of God. Man, what a powerful God we serve. I want you to notice lastly the power of rain. I want you to look in 1 Kings 17.1. It said, Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Does that blow y'all's mind? He said, rain is coming from God, but He'll only bring it at my word. God is not going to send the rain until I ask for the rain. He never said rain comes from me, but He said rain comes from God. But God's not going to open the heavens till I call upon His holy name and I ask Him to send the rain. And when I ask Him to send the rain, then He's going to send the rain. But it will not rain until I ask Him. And there will be a drought in the land until I call upon the name of the Lord and I ask Him to send the rain. Brother Allen, there's a drought in the land. I believe. I believe God's given us a little reviving in our bondage through it all. But as a whole, we've been in a famine. You say, preacher, how are we going to get out of it? When God's people ask God to send the rain. When God's people have a desire to see a change, to see souls saved, to see people come home and get right with God. Let me tell you something, child of God. We need the rain of God. We need the spiritual blessings of God. But this nation's not going to get it until we ask for it. They're not going to see it until we ask for it. Understand that we want to see souls saved. We want things to take place, but we don't want to do anything about it. We want to sit here in our comfort and say, God, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to amen. Everything you do, man, we've got so comfortable in our pews. We sit in our little old pew and we say, God, show out. Here I am. Here I am until I fall asleep. Uh, here I am till 12.05 and I'm done with you. Here I am. Folks, we're sitting around when God's sitting in heaven waiting on us. We're sitting here waiting on God and God's in heaven waiting on us. You want to see the rain, you better ask for the rain. And here this man of God said, Listen to me, it will not rain till I ask God to allow the showers of blessings to flow from heaven. Let me tell you something, folks. Revival comes from above. But it comes when we ask for it. It comes when we ask for it. I want you to notice this, and I'm done. 
Won't you notice this? Chapter 18 and verse 39. Rain is a symbol of prosperity as a result of repentance. Look in verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink. For there is a sound abundance of rain. When did the rain come? When people turned from their sins. When people began to repent of their failures and their faults to God. When folks began to get right with one another. When revival took place. When God was seen. When God was accepted. I'm telling you, when folks fell down on their face and wept like they've never wept before because of the sins of their country and their nation. I'm telling you something, folks. It's been a long time since I've seen people at the altars weeping. It's been a long time since I've seen folks at the altar weeping and wailing for God to bring the rain. It's been a long time since I've seen folks get right with one another and come to one another. It's been a long time since I've seen folks repent their sins and get right with the church. Man, it's getting quieter. Whew. My goodness, you could hear a pin drop. We want revival, we want revival, but we don't want to do anything about it. You know when revival took place is when those people fell on their face and they cried unto God and they said, send the rain. Send the rain. They began to repent of their sins. They began to get saved. I'm telling you, folks got right with one another. You know what happened? The abundance of rain began to fall down. Seven times he told a servant, go out. Why seven times? That's the number of completion. Perfection. He said, go out seven times. Seven times. That's seventh time. Here come the rain. And the land began to enjoy the prosperity and the blessings of God. Only when folks begin to repent of their sins, seek the face of God, and get their hearts right, and get things right with the Lord. And then here came the rain. I don't know about y'all, but I want to see the rain. Can I just be honest with y'all? I don't want my kids being raised in a dry church. I don't want my kids to be raised in a dry religion. I want them to know what it's like to be excited about their salvation. I want them to know what it's like to see grown people walking the aisle and accepting Jesus as their personal Savior. I want them to know that there is no greater joy in this world than serving Jesus. I want to remind this generation that relies upon lights and smokes and entertainment and all of that, that the things of God still works. And that this Bible right here is not dead, but it's still alive. And when nothing else works, this works. 
I want them to know that. I want them to see that. I want them to know that my God, that same God that rained manna down from above, is the God that we serve today. I don't want them to see the dryness of religion. I don't want to see them uh, uh, experience the dryness of tradition. I don't want to do things because my mom and Peppa did. I want to do it because that's how God is leading us. Man, I want to see a touch of God, a moving of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not, man, I'll tell you, I'll give you three points, sit down and shut up. But we need more from God than just three points. We need His Holy Spirit to move among us and begin to convict us of our sins and to see souls saved and to see repentance and to see folks get right with God. It's all right to shout in the church house. You shout at the ball game. You shout at this and you shout at that. You ought to just get so happy in your salvation that you say, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm Baptist. I'm not Pentecostal. It's all right, folks. It's all right to get excited about the things of God. It's not okay for me to carry my kids to the ball game and jump and shout like an idiot and then come to the church house and sit there like somebody's dead. I don't want them to see that in my salvation. I want them to see the goodness of God. I want, to see, I want them to see the joy of God and the peace of God in me and their mama. The songwriter said, I'm tired of just the same old thing, of tradition wearing out your name. I'm tired of a man-made worship hour. I'm tired of a song without any praise. We're worshiping you is out of place. I'm tired of religious formality. We're ready for revival, Lord. We're ready to walk through that door. We're ready, Lord. Oh, let it pour. We're ready, Lord. Enough is enough. We're ready to drink from your cup. We're ready, Lord. Oh, fill us up. Send the rain. Send the fire. Send the wind. Send the Holy Ghost in power. Send the rain. Send the fire. Send the wind. Send the Holy Ghost in power. Man, people begin to fall down on their face saying, God, send the fire. God, send the wind. God, send the Holy Ghost down here. That altar lit up on fire. And I'm telling you some folks, it got exciting. Man, they were smiling. <laughs> they were happy. They got to see the power of God because folks were willing to pray, send the rain. Elijah said, we're going to stay this way, Ahab, till y'all get your hearts right. And I'm not going to ask for it <laughs> until you get your hearts right. They got their hearts right, Elijah cried out, and boom, here came the rain. Isn't God good? God's been so good to us. Man, we've got to see uh, folks saved. We've got to see some awesome things in promised land. But I'm going to tell you something. God's not done sending the rain. God's not done saving folks. God's not done moving. I don't want to come to I don't I do not want to come to another dry service here at Promised Land. I'm tired of coming to church acting like I'm going to a funeral. <laughs> Amen. God send the rain. Send the fire. Send the Holy Ghost in power. I want a feeling when I walk in this place. I want to feel Him when I wake up in the morning. I want Him in my life. I want to see Him everywhere I go. 
And he can do it again, folks. He can do it again. 